Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ambiguous Podcast Solution. I am back with me, Will Tarashek, the founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And this week, I am joined by the Why Are They So Angry podcast. Two ladies, one from Dallas and one from Connecticut, um, Dr. Carol Francois and Courtney King. Ladies, thank you so much for being on the show. I am very excited to talk to you about your podcast, your experience, and I guarantee I'm going to learn something in this interview. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Great. Thank you for having having us. Mm -hmm. All right. We're glad to be here. Very glad to have you. So the Why Why Are They So Angry podcast, Dr. Carol Francois and Courtney Square take you into unexplored territory to unlearn what you thought you knew about American history and being black slash African-American in the United States. Episodes examine how systemic racism is steeped into every institution institution of American life from education, business and labor, healthcare, housing, religion, criminal justice, pop culture, and politics. The end goal is to arm you to dismantle the systemic racism. Say it, uh, see it, say it, confront it. So my first question to you ladies is see it, say it, confront it. What is that? What does that mean to each of you? And why is that such like a perfect tagline for your show? Well, that that is an excellent question. Um, one of the concerns that we have had um, as Black African American women is that systemic racism is everywhere, and the only way to deal with it and Stamp it out is if you see it, you have to admit that it's there, and that's where the see it comes in. Um, the say it is you have to say it out loud. You have to admit it that it does exist, and then after you've seen it, you've said it, then it's time for you to confront it. That is, take it on, and whatever your sphere of influence is, wherever it is that you work or play or worship, if you do. Um, when you see systemic racism, say what you've seen and confront it head on to, to, to knock it out. And, you know, Courtney probably has more to add to that, but that's where I, I, what I intended when we came up with that tagline. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If we take it kind of in a pop culture reference, if you ever watch a movie, maybe a horror movie, and nobody believes the hero or the heroine, like Freddy Krueger is real, Nancy in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger is real, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. It isn't until the other characters actually see Freddy Krueger that it's like, oh my goodness, he is real. Now what do we do where we don't fall asleep and we fight Freddy Krueger? So that's a very haphazard kind of nerdy perspective of what we're trying to do. We're trying to say this thing that we've been trying to, or Black African-Americans have been trying to tell you is real. It is. And we're going to kind of hold your hand and walk you through it. But now that you know that it's real, you can see it, you give it a name, and now it's time to fight it. Okay. So I want to focus specifically on confront it. What is the best way to confront systemic racism um this it's just in general for you two so specifically and i guess as a community no matter you're white black asian hispanic latino whatever what's the best way to confront it in your opinion well i I will say this will there there's no one best way because it depends on what the situation is which institution or Mm. system uh is the problem 
And then that will and and who you are as a person, how you're going to decide to take it on. Um, so I would say the first thing someone has to do is analyze who they are and understand how they would be willing to confront systemic racism. So, for an example, uh, Courtney and I, th this is our method. This is the way we've decided to take on systemic racism, to see it, to say it, and confront it, and then challenge other people to do the same thing. The re So this is a very personal way that we're doing it because, mm -hmm. first and foremost, I'm an educator, and I... I see myself as a person whose responsibility is to help people to learn and to grow. And so our podcast is designed that way. It's designed about factual information. It's not cheap from the hip stuff. It's information that's been well-researched. And we put it out there for people to be educated and to learn and to grow and to be, um, become informed about a topic they probably don't know a lot about. And I don't mean just uh, people who happen to be white, but people in general don't know this, even uh, Black African Americans and so on. The confronting then becomes, for me, uh, using the method that I know best, education, mm -hmm. to take that out within the sphere of influence that I have, which is among people who are listening to our podcast, looking at our Facebook page, our Instagram, and so on, and using that those platforms to put the information out there to allow people to see it, to say it, and then figure out on their own, how do I confront this? Where do I confront it? Um, another example is that you, you've you got to decide where you're going to, are you going to, if you see it and you say it in your place of work, then you personally have to decide, well, how am I going to take this on, you know, uh, so that I do it in a way that I'm safe, but at the same time, I refuse to accept uh, racist, systemic racist uh, behaviors and attitudes being being done, uh, but I'll yield to my niece to to tell you her her approach. And something that we often, oh, thank you, and Carol. Something that we often talk about is your sphere of influence, mm -hmm. uh, because systemic racism is not the guy that's burning the cross in the town square or the people yelling racial epithets, you know, at you in the street or saying crazy things on Facebook. It's the actual system, because if you come at someone in an attack mode, they're either going to attack you back or shut down. But what can you do in your sphere of influence? If you have friends who believe a certain way or don't understand certain definitions of certain words like being racist or being bigoted or being prejudiced, you in, very, in a very simple way say, you know, that's not what that means. In a very quiet way, you're working on your sphere of influence and that sphere gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think a lot of times people will hear the word confront and automatically think a fight. It's not a fight. It's a, it's a conversation. It's opening up. It's setting up boundaries. And when people ask, well, why do you have that particular boundary or why don't you say these things or do these things anymore? That opens the door for you to confront it and say, hey, I've read this book or I've looked at this article or I've seen these stats. Will you do the same? And it, it may not happen overnight, but that confrontation, a lot of times people, it's a harsh word. It kind of rubs up against you kind of in an uncomfortable way. But we say it in that way so people feel equipped that they have the information. But it's something as simple as a conversation or even a removal from a certain behavior that people will start to ask why. 
And Will, I want to add to what Courtney said. She is right on target with that because where you are is where you start. Um, an example, if you happen to work for a company and you're in the HR department, you have a lot of power to influence the policies that are uh, policies around hiring, policies around um, different aspects of the workplace. And if you know that some of the policies that are in place are systemically racist, it's incumbent upon you, once you see it and say it, you need to confront it. Do something within your company to do away with those policies or rewrite those policies. Or if policies don't exist around things that are problematic within a company that Maybe there are some hateful, un, um, uh, really unfortunate things going on in a company that involve race and there's no policy that addresses that. If you are in the HR department, then you're, you can confront that by saying, hey, let's come up with some policies to deal with that. So I wanted to give that as a concrete example that you, your sphere of influence is wherever you are at whatever time. It could be like Courtney say, said in a conversation with friends or even family, and it's your turn, you have to step up and confront the issue, or it's in your workplace, or maybe it's in a place where you worship. Maybe you look around your, your place of worship and you realize, my goodness, this is not a very diverse congregation. Um, maybe there's something we need to be doing to um, reach out to people in the community to bring in uh, a diverse congregation, if that is your desire, of course. But the point I think both of us are making is that there is no one uh, solution that, that you can come up with. The one thing we say is figure out what your sphere of influence is mm -hmm. and work within that sphere of influence. Yep. And then, and then expand outwards. Um, Cause I, on my own podcast, the You Mad Row podcast for a shameless plug, um, we, we do tackle these issues. And the one thing I always say is, you know, like the comment section on a YouTube video or a Facebook post or an Instagram post, or even like, you know, how people communicate on the local news or even national news. It's just, it's not a good way of communicating. And if you want to get through these issues, I really do think you need long form conversation with people who you agree with and you disagree with even more, probably more important than people you disagree with. And the number one way to do that, in my opinion, is through podcasting. Podcasting in modern day is probably one of the best ways human beings can communicate with each other. Um, which is why I, I really do enjoy your podcast because you guys, you do educate things that need to be said. Um, like, you know, that you hear this all the time, like, I wish they taught blank in school. I wish they taught us X and Y in school. I wish they taught more African-American history <laughs> right. in school, right? And you got, yeah, to me, you take that phrase and go, all right, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it for them. And um, Carol, you coming from a educator perspective, like what, what is something, when you hear something like that, what does that make, what does that mean to you? What does that phrase mean to you? And do you consider yourself, your content, something that they don't teach in school? I, I do. I think that um, we get a very glossed over version of American history. And maybe things have changed over the years. But for the most part, the, the history that we find taught in school today is really from a very singular perspective. Mm -hmm. And that 
in my mind, is the white male conqueror. You know, the 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 people who came to this country and settled the untamed territory and made a way for themselves and built this, you know, dynamic country that we have today. Well, that may be true, but what about the people that were here before they came that already had a dynamic social structure that was functioning pretty fine until, you know, they got wiped out. Um, So the idea for, for Courtney and myself is to turn turn the camera to a different vantage point and to understand historic events from the vantage point of black African-Americans or information, not necessarily from that vantage point, but information that just never has been shared or if it's been shared, it's been in bits and pieces. And so I know as an educator, you can't teach everything. You cannot right. begin to think about teaching everything right. about American history, but you can start enlarging the story so that it is more inclusive of those things that have happened that maybe are not as glittery as we'd like and, and positive, but some things that have happened over time that can actually inform and help us to understand why are we in the situation we are in America right now, this very day? It didn't happen overnight. It happened be- because certain things uh, over time stewed and began back all the way back to 1619 when the first um, slaves, enslaved people were brought to this country. And it's been going on for de- for, for centuries. Mm-hmm. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um Carol is my aunt. If you've listened to the podcast, you hear our our banter back and forth. Dear niece, Aunt Carol, we were the kids that got the education after summer or after school was out in the summer. If we saw Aunt Carol coming, it was with books about systemic racism and black history. So when we went back to school, we were the kids that were like, well, wait a minute. Now this, 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 this and this. Not everyone is fortunate enough to have an Aunt Carol or a doctor. Dr. Francois. So I feel like I'm sharing, you know, my growing up with my aunt and those educational tidbits with everyone else because it is important. I think the way that we present it is not in a way to make people feel bad because I think a lot of people shy away from uh, especially Black African American history because there are some dark parts and there are mm-hmm. some parts that people don't want to dig into because of who they might dig up in their family. But it's all a part of the American story. And we want everyone to understand that we've all played a part regardless of how we got here, either by choice, by chains, by immigrant story, by being indigenous. But we want to share our part as well. Definitely. Okay, so let's actually get to the actual podcast itself. We might take a few twists and turns here because as I come in my mind. I definitely want to bring in some other topics. But the name, why are they so angry? Now, how would you come up with that name? And who is the they in that title? <laughs> I am so glad you asked that question. We went around and around about uh, what the title would be. And I know we shared this uh, Courtney's mother, my sister, and then my other sister, Marsha, my husband, my niece, Melanie, we tossed out a lot of ideas about what the title should be. And then I don't know who actually said, we know white people are always asking the question about black people. 
why are they so angry? Mm. And then all of a sudden we all said, there's the title. That's the title. Because we in our podcast are going to be talking about historic situations and issues that if if you're not black, you may not know. But if you do know it, then you might stop asking the question, why are they, meaning black African-Americans, so angry? If you know about the systemic racism in housing, uh, restrictive covenants that existed, the, uh, the, the systemic way that education was um, built and, and the machinations that went into giving Black African-Americans uh, less uh, uh, in terms of education and in terms of uh, opportunities for businesses to grow and so on. When, if you hear those stories and you understand them, then the question becomes a moot question. You stop asking the question, well, why are they so angry? And, and we, you know, usually when you hear the question, why are they so angry? Again, referring to Black African Americans, the people who are asking that question are thinking, well, my goodness, they, can, they meaning Black African Americans, they can live anywhere they want now. They can go to any school they want to go to. They can have businesses. They can do excellent, you know, just fill in the blank, whatever after the, the they can. Um, but what they're not understanding is that all of that at the expense of many, many years of not being able to do that. And not only that, Many, many instances where Black African Americans still are not being uh, allowed to realize their full potential, or we're still seeing Black African Americans lynched in the form of police brutality and police killings, or we're still seeing Black African Americans denied uh, the ability to live and to go to school wherever they want to when you have people establishing uh, charter schools and private schools and so on. So. Um, the they refers to Black African Americans, and it's actually it was done tongue in cheek. It was very much done tongue, tongue in cheek because the anger it has been simmering for a long time, and folks can't understand. Well, what? Why are they rioting? Why are they upset? Why are they out here marching? Well, it's because so much is still not fair. So much is still an uneven playing field. So that's where the the name came from. I love it. That's, you know, that, that's, that's literally the perfect story behind a name like that. Um, so what made you want to create this podcast in particular? Like, did you have other podcast inspirations? Um, did you hear podcasts similar to this? I know, I know, uh, listen, listening to your episodes, George, the incident with George Floyd was a big inspiration, but was there anything else? And I also do want to ask you about George Floyd, like, um, yeah, just, T- take take it away, because I I'm, I know I'm treading. That's, that's a hard it's a hard conversation to have. Um, mm-hmm. but like, how did that that situation happens? Despicable, hard to watch. Eight minutes and forty two seconds. Mm-hmm. And your response was, "I got to start a podcast." Um, I think honestly, it started with a Facebook post. Um, because what happened to George Floyd is not new. It just happened to be on TV. You can see historical postcards. You can hear stories of lynchings. So what happened to him is not new. It just happened that we were all home because of the pandemic and it was on TV and it kept being played over. So it's not new uh, to African-Americans. We see it. 
We just have to move on because we know nothing's going to come from it. Same with Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. Okay, well, it happened, but this time everybody saw it. Mm -hmm. Unlike all those others where it was a dark, rainy night or it was just the, the cops and one criminal or it was this and that where the story could be painted, everybody saw it. And I was sitting at home and I was sitting next to my husband who drives around and does whatever that could happen to him. One misunderstanding, you know, one one day him saying, hey, babe, I'm going to go out for a jog in a hoodie in the wrong neighborhood, which is a fear. It, it, it seems like an unrealistic fear to a lot of people. But when my husband says, hey, I'm going to throw on my earbuds and a hoodie and I'm just going to go on a run to clear my mind my heart starts to beat like, oh my goodness. But with George Floyd, everyone saw it. So my aunt started a, just a book list of what people could do because everyone's felt helpless. And I'm a, a fan of several podcasts. And so when she came to the me with the idea of the podcast and the book group, I was all for it because I'm a millennial. This is what we do. We listen to podcasts on mm -hmm. the way to work, when we're cleaning, when we're working out. We love listening to other people with, you know, millennial ideas, you know, on in our earbuds. So I was all for it because I needed to do something because I was scared. I was I was over it. So I was really angry. Oh. <laughs> so she gave me an outlet for that, an educational outlet to put that anger into that funnel. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Courtney's exactly right. Well, and the funny part of it is, is that, you know, I think from listening to our, our podcast, you know that we are generation apart. And so there are things that she thinks of automatically as a way to share information and, uh, you know, connect with people. So when she said, hey, let's do a podcast, I, I started thinking of those fancy podcasts like uh, NPR and right, you know, the, right. that, you know, <laughs> these big, the big guns. And I think, well, I don't know about that. But, um, you know, she has an adventurous spirit and she inspired me. And I figured, well, I... I'm into research. I, I don't mind looking things up and figuring out how things work. And so I was happy to do that. She pointed me to some things that I could look at uh, in terms of where to host and et cetera, et cetera. And so before we knew it, we actually, and she said, we started in June uh, with the Facebook page. And then we actually launched the podcast um, several weeks later, actually September, but by that time, we had built an audience in our private in our private Facebook page where we actually posted a series of books. All of them are factual books about systemic racism, different institutions like education, housing, um, law, medicine and so on. And um, we have we have several several members on our Facebook page that have been reading the books and then we would do a monthly Zoom um, a monthly Zoom session where we would come together and, and, and Courtney and I would lead them in a discussion on the book. And then one thing led to another. We had the Instagram page, then we had the Twitter, then we, I mean, we just had a lot of things. Just, it was a cavalcade mm -hmm. of information, most of which I knew nothing about. Like I said, I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't tweet. So Courtney, that's going to be you and right. my niece, Melanie, you need to worry about the Instagram. But I can write. And so, you know, we can we can figure this out. So then the podcast came along and, and it became a great uh, springboard for us to continue our research. And so it's the, the podcast feeds the Facebook page and vice versa mm -hmm. and all of the other things that we've been putting out there in the whatever the 
cyberspeed or whatever we call it. <laughs> the World Wide Web. And and you yeah. you two are related, an aunt and a niece. I have not come across many family podcasts, like actually family <laughs> dynamic. And I, I think that contrast is so great because like you said, you are generations apart. So you could have completely different mindsets on different issues just generationally. So how how do you guys work with that dynamic? Like being um like Courtney, how do you how can you how do we act to like when you're speaking to your elder, your family member, your aunt who has that foundation of this respect, this being your elder? Like can that be can that be difficult, that family dynamic working together? Not really with my Aunt Carol, because growing up, she was always the adventurous aunt. She was the Aunt Mame who would sweep in from Dallas with tales of going to Europe and, you know, the 60s and the 70s and going to Temple. So my cousins, we were always in awe of Aunt Carol. You know, she took us to New York for the first time Mm. and she always spoke to us like little scholars. So it was never Aunt Carol was not the oh, look at this cute little baby. It's like, hey, are you guys reading yet? You know, because I want to give you these books. And it was never little kids books. If it was Nancy Drew, that was as young as little kids books as we got. But it was always museums. If you went to Aunt Carol, you knew what you were in for. So I knew with my aunt, I had a, and we have a podcasting relationship and we have an aunt-niece relationship. Mm -hmm. So the aunt-niece relationship is, hey, what are you doing? You need to do this, this, this. Did you get your, did you send me a thank you note? I need this, this, and this. When we go into podcast mode, we're very much partners. She listens to me. I glean from her. So I love that that dynamic is there and it comes across we have very healthy boundaries so true and and i i have to echo what courtney said that we we have established a good working relationship and i have a a, an enormous amount of respect for courtney's ability to research a topic and to find the most relevant and factual information courtney i'm proud to say was uh, an award-winning debater when she was in high school. And I always admired that about her. And and as you probably well know, to debate, you have to uh, do a lot of groundwork and research before you ever set foot up there to um, challenge someone in a debate. And Courtney is one to, she does her homework. There's no question about it. Um, I I recall one episode that we were going to do. And for the most part, we, we, we're pretty much in agreement. It's like, okay, yeah, this is the episode. This is the topic. You know, this is the story you're going to tell Courtney and go on because Courtney is an amazing storyteller. But uh, there was one episode where she wanted to tell a story that was pretty graphic. And I thought, oh, I don't know. We, we can't do that. We just cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And I was very close to pulling the Aunt Carol on her and say, no, we are not going to do that. And I thought about it. I went away and I actually talked to my husband about it. And he said, well, of course you need to do that episode. There's no question that that episode has to go. This, that's the story that needs to be told. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, that's right. Who am I to tell Courtney what story she cannot or can or cannot tell? Now, we may go back and forth about which story. And we may have two or three that may be the core of her, because if you know the way we do it, we start with setting people up, then we tell the story, and then we follow up. So, so Courtney pretty much is not pretty much she is the storyteller. And so I, I had to had to, you know kind of check myself and say, who am I 
to edit her part of the podcast. That's what she's in charge of mm-hmm. and not me. And so um, it's been good. I've really enjoyed being able to step back and be in that kind of working relationship with her because it's it's caused me to grow and I hope it's caused her to grow as well. Oh, definitely. Because my my aunt has the educational backgrounds was like, I have to step it up to the level of someone who has a doctor in education. Mm -hmm. So the aunt part of, oh, sweetie, that's adorable. Let me put that on your refrigerator. That is gone. You know, this is I have to kind of step up (laughs) to an educational level that I don't have. So I know I have to be researched. I know that I have to put something together, you know, and she's an English teacher. So kids have turned papers in or was an English teacher so kids have turned papers into her for years so I know that editorial eye is going to be on what I wrote she's going to look for you know my sources so I mean I I'm stepping my game up so definitely yes I'm learning so much so the relationship is helping me grow as well yeah you gotta you gotta step to the plate because you know she's gonna throw that fastball when you least expect it but exactly I, I I do I do have to ask honestly Courtney I want an honest answer is there ever been a time where you guys have like disagreed on something and you dropped like an okay boomer right because there is there is that generational <laughs> gap there and i i know you guys gotta butt heads at least once even off mic we don't i think when it comes to because i am a storyteller i want to give so much detail and she'll go in and say this is too long and i will always fight and say well we like in my age group millennials love long podcasts uh-huh. and she's like no we don't as, as, <laughs> as baby boomers we don't want it's long it's a lot and i actually had to take into consideration a lot of the stories i'm telling our audience has lived so I'm thinking, oh, I don't want it. I always, I started to put trigger warnings. So sometimes I think I'm coming with this, you know, vast story with all kinds of this, this and that. And, and Aunt Carol will be like, uh-uh, we got to reel this back a little bit. Number one, I don't want to be on the air that long. And number two, you know, it's a lot that you're you're bringing out a lot. So every once in a while we have those. And I'm a creative, so I see the world in all kinds of different colors and She's very analytical. So that's the only, if, if at all, that's the only place where she's like, hey, people do not want to hear this horrific tale for hours <laughs> on end. <laughs> well, and the other thing, I, I, I guess, Will, I would say bump heads probably is a misnomer. We definitely um, talk through things that we're not seeing eye to eye, but there haven't been any, any okay bombs like you say where you know okay I just give up um and also I I think for the sake of our being able to be creative and uh to really do justice to the topics that we have to be open-minded and willing to think about what each other says should happen in an episode or not happen in an episode and um, there may come a time where we do have the, you know, we bump heads and we do, we just disagree and we, you know, go away pouting. But I hope not. I think that it through the episodes that we've done and the work relationship that we've established that we've tried to be respectful of each other. But and but Courtney is right. The length of a podcast, it's tough for me to think about a podcast any longer than 30 minutes. Um, we had a, I think we had one. Did we have one, Courtney, that was like 40 minutes? 
And I was thinking, oh, oh I my. Think either our, it, it's always our special episode. So Veterans right. Day was longer. The holiday special was longer. And I think our year end wrap up. But those are all like, those are the holiday specials. So they can be longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, for one, I do enjoy like the three hour podcasts. It's hard for me to listen to them all mm-hmm. at once. But I, 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 I am borderline millennial. I was born in 95. So maybe I'm millennial. People tell me I am. People tell me I'm not. Um, so I'm going to say I am, but I even me, I'm on the fringe. People don't like that long form content, like really long form. So you definitely have something there, but I want to talk more about, um, your audience, the people who listen to you. And now how has the response been from your audience? Do you get any like positive reinforcement, from your audience saying, I love what you're doing. Like I'm assuming that's a yes. That's an easy, that's an easy softball question. Um, But also do you get any pushback? Do you get any criticism? People saying like, you know, you're not being fair. You're not talking about this, yada, yada, yada. And how do you deal with that? Like, how do you, how do you deal with, how do you deal with feedback, positive and negative? Well, so far, um, you know, our, it's probably not as, broad an audience as I would like, but all of our, all of our Apple reviews have been four or five stars. So people really appreciate what we're doing and they come from the perspective of this is history we've never heard before, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, the folks who, most of our, <laughs> excuse me, most of the feedback that we get directly uh, is on our Facebook group. And Again, these are people that are probably folks who already like us a lot. (laughs) So they rarely come back and say, oh, this is horrible or I can't believe. What we do get a lot of is, gosh, I never knew that. I feel bad that this is information that I was never taught. What do I do with it? You get that kind of reaction Um, as opposed to now. I believe, Courtney, you did say somebody posted something negative on the face on the public Facebook page. On the regular Facebook page, uh, I think we just, of course, it's public. And someone, I guess, either found it through a boosted post and had something to say. But it was one of those Facebook accounts that have a weird location or or something like that. I'm not foolish to believe that everyone's going to like what we're talking about. We are so blessed and honored to have a group of people who are open and willing to listen. But as the shares go out and as the audience widens, which we hope, I'm not foolish enough to believe that it may fall into the hands of someone who doesn't want to know what we're saying or wants to nitpick everything we say. And that just lets me know we're doing a good job. So, um, you, you are going to get some pushback as you grow. It's, it's impossible. But as you said, as you said, Courtney, if you're not getting critiqued, like you're not, you're doing something wrong. Um, so how do you, how do you deal with controversial topics, especially topics that both of you are so passionate about, but, you know, as an educator and as someone who's a researcher, you gotta, it's sometimes it's hard. I know you can, I, I gotta take your personal bias out of it. How do you, how do you confront something like that? And is it, is it, is it challenging to kind of step out of your experiences and kind of tackle something objectively? Oh boy. Um, Courtney, you want to take that? Cause I have some ideas, but I'll, um, I'll defer. the thing about what we're covering, it's not an opinion. So it, it wouldn't be like, I love comic books. If I started a DC, I love DC only podcast, that's an opinion. And I can give all the research and all that. What we're talking about isn't an opinion. 
it happened. So of course we want to take our bias out and not turn it into a blame game type of you did this and we're mad about this. And that's not what our format is. So if someone comes and has an issue with how the podcast is done, I can understand that. But if you're mad about the content, take that up with history. Don't take it up with (laughs) us. We're telling you these are facts. These are figures. We're giving you research items. You can go to the places that some of these massacres happen. You can look up these historical figures. So the information, we're just the messenger. Like I always say, I don't make the news. We just report it. So if it's an issue with people not liking the content, they have to take that up with American history. Anything else? You know, we can work around and see if it's something we're doing or if it's just their opinion. They don't like, you know, our banter back and forth. But as for the content, you can't argue with facts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say it better, Court. You're exactly right. I, and what, we try to keep ourselves out of it. But from time to time, you can hear us, you know, you can hear kind of the snide remark or whatever. And that'll slip in. But it's, it's about the facts. It's not about, you know, we're, we're not delivering our opinion. This this. this as she said, take it up with history, but we're, we're delivering what, what anybody else can research. It's just that maybe others haven't taken the time to do that. Or, you know, you may have people who don't believe, as my grandmother used to say, that fat back is greasy. And so no matter what you tell them, whether it's factual or not, whether it's in the history books or not, or in, in, it won't be in American history books in the schools, but history books, uh, scholarly works. Uh, there are just going to be some people that don't believe the scholarly work. And that's okay. That's okay. We can't convince everybody, but we want to just open the door and open the eyes. We want to open the door of history wider, and we want to open the eyes of our listeners uh, so that they're willing to say, okay, maybe I didn't know this, but I'm going to look into this a little more carefully. I'm going to do my own research. And we always, in our show notes, we include the references that Mm -hmm. we have cited. So it's not like we're being mysterious about this information and where we got it. Um, We we can't put everything in there, but certainly the major pieces that we use to research, we put that in there and we do it uh, for a reason. We want people to look the stuff up themselves. If you haven't, uh, there's something we tell our Facebook group that you should be responsible for your own learning. In other Mm. words, we can't tell you everything. We can't give you everything on a platter, but we can certainly open the door wide enough for you to step through and start doing some work on your own. Okay. Now the podcast is just the two of you. Would you ever consider um, bringing guests on, like even just even to say, to talk about historical things, correct, but also kind of it's kind of like a, a commentary to accompany that and to editorialize what's going on in the current world. Would you be open to something like that? Yeah, that's interesting. Will that you bring it up? We haven't we haven't gone down that path yet. Uh, one of the things that we have we started doing is kind of kind of you know, informal, but it, the, the three of us, my, my other niece, Melanie, is involved because she does some other work for, uh, for the uh, watch the group uh, with our buff on uh, our Instagram. But, you know, we kind of talk through what the themes and the stories are going to be for the next quarter. And the idea of guests really hasn't come up. I'm not going to rule it out. 
Um, but one thing that we have seen from people who have commented about the, the podcast, the way it's structured now, they like the relationship between Courtney and me. They mm-hmm. like that banter, that conversation back and forth, that kind of natural um, interchange that we have. And it, I don't know if we would be able to manage that with a guest. Um, not, I'm not ruling it out at all. I'm just saying this is just not something that's come to our attention. And, you know, we're still very new at this. We're really new. We're still getting our feet wet with um, producing these episodes and getting them up and out. And so the idea of a guest, I know that entails additional work, you know, to find the guest, get them groomed, get them ready. Right. Um, so I would say for right now, um, we've got enough on our hands, <laughs> the two of us, to, to get these get these stories together and get this information, this research done. But that doesn't mean we wouldn't we couldn't have a guest that we could, um, you know, kind of bounce off the way we do with our storytelling right now. So I won't rule it out. OK, so if if you did like in the future think, you know what, we got to take this, got to take this to a different level where we gotta kind of broaden our horizons. Do either of you know who Daryl Davis is? I don't. Court, do you know who Daryl Davis is? I don't, but it sounds like someone interesting to know. He is a fascinating human being. So Daryl Davis is actually an American R&B and blues musician. He's an activist, author, an actor, and a band leader. But what he's most famous for... Um, is his is his efforts to improve race relations and what he does he is responsible for multiple multiple people leaving the Ku Klux Klan and oh I yeah he is, I saw his head talk yeah he's 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 yeah. a he's a black musician and it's his story is just absolutely absurd he did like a three-hour interview on joe rogan's podcast just telling stories about how he like he got like a grand master to leave and like the, the inner workings of it um and he's an activist. So, like, if I could get to talk to him, God, that would be incredible. But, you know, you two having that kind of historical background, but even, like, someone like him, he he gets a lot of flack for, quote-unquote, platforming people, right? Like, since he interacts with the Klan, people call him a Nazi and a white supremacist. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous stuff. Like, he's doing what you should be doing, just sitting down, talking, communicating to people. So I don't think you guys consider yourselves activists. Um, you're more of like this storytellers and historians and telling what it is, what it is. But how, like, as you guys grow, are you prepared and comfortable dealing with that kind of criticism? Uh, you mean the kind of criticism that Daryl Davis has gotten? Oh, even, even this, any kind of criticism from the, from, from an opposing viewpoint. Oh, oh, well, uh, I can't speak for Courtney because I know she is always ready with an argument. So, and when I mean argument, I mean as in debate. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, hearing the other side, I sometimes I try to watch news programs that I know are not aligned with what I believe. And part of that is to get an understanding. I mean, to, you know, where are these people coming from? And, and maybe I can learn. Maybe I can grow from that. Yeah. And coming from a speech and debate high school forensics background, especially Stephen Douglas debate, part of that debate, you know, setup is the other person asking you questions. So 
I understand that people, especially with this topic, are going to get salacious and are going to point out, well, did you know about this statistic with crime? Or did you know about this statistic with this? And these are all things, as long as it's fact-based, I will sit and listen to you because I'm coming from a fact-based place. Now, what we won't tolerate is being disrespectful because mm-hmm. I don't believe in trolls. I believe they're magical beings that don't exist, just like internet trolls. So if it's the trolling, I'm really not here for it. But if it's educational questions, you know, why are you doing this? Or why are you saying this? Or or why are you trying to guilt me? And I don't believe in this. As long as it's fact-based, educational-based, I'm open to listen, sit and read because you cannot under you cannot beat, you know, if systemic racism is our enemy, you cannot beat your enemy unless you understand it. Mm-hmm. So I have to understand and I have to be open to understand where these people are coming from because they definitely understand where I'm coming from because I'm putting it on the internet. Yeah. Definitely. And that's definitely I think um, as for anyone who does a podcast like this, including including myself who does a, you know, current events podcast you got to be open to expanding outside of your bubble right i mean you hear that term all the time people watch fox news and own they're all in a bubble people watch msnbc cnn and their facebook friends they're all in a bubble so is it is it challenging for your podcast and to expand outside of that bubble because everyone has a bubble it's impossible not to be in a bubble well, actually, you know, expanding out of the bubble is good for course, us because outside the bubble probably means people who haven't taken the chance to research the kind of information we are sharing. So, yes, I and like Courtney, if somebody's willing to talk facts and talk truth in terms of, you know, historical truth, then, then I'm fine. Um, they may not agree. They may not want to see it or accept it. But, you know, yeah, I'm I I don't have a problem, uh, but I'm not going to get into an argument right. about what is true or not true or or if somebody says they just don't believe this happened and I know otherwise <laughs> and I have the facts to disprove it, then I'm leaving it there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's healthy to stay in a bubble and only talk in the echo chamber, you know, with the people who agree with you, because the whole point of this effort is to get people to change their mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm glad you brought up Daryl Davis, because now that you mention him, I do, I I never, I did not know him by name, but I do know him by work. And um, yeah, so he's doing the kind of thing, he's going into the enemy territory in order to change minds. And so if somebody wanted to, to come into our territory and uh, know more about what we're up to and maybe while they're there end up getting their mind changed, then I'm all for it. All right. Love it. So as we kind of wrap up here, what is your biggest achievement with this podcast? What's something you are most proud of? Uh, Courtney, I want you to answer first. Um, honestly, on a very simple scale, getting my dad to listen Uh, My dad is a black conservative Republican and I am his liberal Democrat daughter. 
Um, so we have butted heads since I was able to open a history book and read a newspaper on several different issues. Um, so my biggest achievement as personal as it is, is to have my dad call me every week and say, Hey daughter, I listened to the podcast. I never knew about this, or you taught me about this, or I'm going to get this book. Um, so it makes all those teenage angsty arguments about politics worth it, but just educating people people who have educated me is one of the biggest uh, mm-hmm. achievements for me personally. Oh, I, I can't top that. <laughs> but I will say that, that my greatest achievement is being, uh, being a, a lifetime learner to continue to learn about this whole concept, this whole idea of podcasting. In fact, before we um, came on with your interview, I was just on a webinar learning about a product that I think will be helpful to us in getting information out about our podcast. And so I was listening to that and learning and kind of poking around on the website and learning some things. And that it's just, that has been the best part of this whole experience that as an educator, I feel that once you stop loving to learn, you really are going to stop living. And so I have just loved the idea that I'm learning so much and developing so many different ways and learning skills that I, at my age, had no idea I would be learning or need or want. Yeah. I don't know if this is a real phrase or making it up, but like a a great teacher is a better student, right? Something like that. Absolutely. And you you got to never stop learning. And that's, uh, that's something in my experience with podcasting. I I, I never stop learning. I never stop researching. I'm always in the know. Um, And your podcast is definitely something I'm going to keep tuning into so I can keep learning and get a better understanding. So that being said, six months to a year from now, where do you want your podcast to be? Wow. Well, I definitely want a wider audience, a wider audience, more listeners, um, you know, just to have more people hear and share and actually kind of take up that mantle and that responsibility, even if it is just sharing a podcast to, you know, hey, listen to this. I learned about this um, just to continue to grow and, you know, maybe have some of my some of my personal heroes and sheroes actually say, hey, listen to this podcast and it's me. I'd agree that I'd, I want a wider audience. I want to feel because so often the people who are listening to us will say things. The, the comment will be, I wish more people heard this. I think more people need to hear what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, excuse me, uh, that that I agree. We put a lot of work into every episode and um, we'd like to feel that the people who have been very faithful to us and listening that they will continue, but then we'll find more faithful people who will say, Hey, you know, we don't want to miss the next episode. Mm-hmm. Now you do, you, you, you do list your sources in the description, which is fantastic because people can actually check it out themselves. But other than your podcast, what is a good resource for people to educate themselves? And how do you, who, who are your sources? Where do you get your research from? Oh, good one. Well, my number one, I, I do a lot of work with the um, National African American Museum uh, in D.C. They have excellent resources on their webpage. page. Uh, we also um, are constantly, I have a Google feed that 
pulls in articles for me. Mm. And then uh, there are books that we have have had on our reading list for years that we go back to. And a lot of those have bibliographies and references to them. But we just stay current. We we listen to NPR. We um, or at least I listen. To, I'm sure Courtney does. I, I don't want to say we. I just want to say what I'm doing right now. But I listen to NPR all the time. I'm always. And then we also solicit from our Facebook uh, group you know, recommendations of authors or uh, topics or sources. And several of the people that are in the group are librarians. And so they are familiar with research themselves and they kind of point us to things. So we're constantly keeping our information. Um, I, I'm, I have an Evernote file that is burgeoning for the Why They Are So Angry podcast with articles and books and everything imaginable. Thank God for tagging. And I use the Library of Congress or whatever the topic is, I will put in a year, you know, starting from 1619 and see what I can find out. Any topic that we have discussed that is current, I have found it between the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s in the Library of Congress, old news articles, you know, just putting it out there. But I always try to find, you know, just the newspapers because the newspaper tells the story of the day. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about, you know, prison, I'm going to look for something in, you know, 1875 about African-Americans in prison in the newspaper and there it is in black and white all right well i want to thank you both for being here i want to thank you both for being on this podcast i also want to thank you both for doing your podcast i truly believe more podcasts like yours need to be out there and i really hope you inspire other people to do podcasts similar to yours not only african-american it can be like you know um latino history asian history uh north african history whatever like I, I think more podcasts like yours need to exist and I'm so happy you guys do. So please keep up the good work, keep up what you're doing and where can people find you? Where can like do all your plugs, your Facebook group, public, private, whatever you want to, whatever you want to <laughs> well, plug that, for the people to find you. Is Courtney's bag. Go for I know that, that is my rundown at the end of the podcast. If please. you miss us or, or want to find us, we are on Facebook at why are they so angry you can find us on twitter at w-a-t-s-a underscore online on twitter so you can tweet us and follow us there and on instagram at why are they so angry and definitely on our website which is why are they so angry.com there you have it all there right we are. fantastic oh, and by the way we also have a course called systemic racism See it, say it, confront it. So if somebody wants to go dive even deeper and take a course, we've got it for you. And you can find it on that website. Fantastic. I love it. See it, say it, confront it. Well, that'll wrap it up for another podcast episode of the Ambiguous Podcast Solution with my special guests, the Why Are They So Angry podcast. Uh, Courtney, Carol, thank you again so much for being here. And if you like this podcast- If you like this podcast and you want to hear more, please go to ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com to find all the other podcasts in this series. This has been the podcast by podcasters for podcasts. And if you're interested in joining the Ambiguous uh, Podcast Solutions team, please shoot us an email at info at APSpodcast.com and work with us. Or if you have a podcast, you want to be a guest on this show with either myself, Nash Moore, Jared Laverne, or Luke Morey. You can pick and choose your host. If you don't like my hosting, that's totally fine. Nash does a little bit better. But until then, we'll be back next week with a brand new host 
and a brand new uh, brand new guest. We'll see you there. Take care, everybody.